inspired by the Canadian Federation of the Blind. Outlook, a show about accessibility, advocacy, and equality. I'm Brian. And I'm Carrie. Outlook. Radio Western. Good morning on this Monday. Welcome to Outlook on 94.9 CHRW Radio Western. How are you doing, Brian? I'm not too bad. How are you? Good. A lovely yeah, it's rainy. rainy. It doesn't really feel like quite like December weather, but... Ugh, no, either get cold and snow or be actually nice outside at least. <laughs> You're going to be mild. Uh, so uh, yeah, so we're a little damp, but we got here in good time. Yeah, so we weren't here last week. Uh, I guess you had an appointment in Woodstock and couldn't carry for anyone who's listening for the first time or whatever. Um, I'm from London. I live here, but Carrie lives in Woodstock. She's my sister, and uh, yeah, she couldn't make it last week. And I don't like to do the show without her. So <laughs> um, we had a repeat, which the repeat was from uh, about a year ago, um, pretty much the same day. Yeah, so which was you yeah, know, I had, briefly mentioned. I had an idea that if we weren't going to be there, then we should pick a rerun that had something to do with the time. At least you know when you hear a rerun, you're like, oh, well, this doesn't even apply to me because they're talking about something that's not even like have, there's a topic that doesn't really apply. So I picked um, the closest episode. What date was it? Do you remember? Was it right on? Um, so December third. Well, this year it was the second right our okay, show, but yeah, be. but last year it was it was the third. The actual day, yeah. Um, so it was on the actual official day last year. Um, and we actually got, I got a message from our friend, uh, Barry, who's been on the show before and he was listening. He didn't realize it was a repeat. And he was like, man, it's December 2nd, not the third. <laughs> it's like, no, it's a re- this is a repeat. Oh, that was hilarious. the previous year. We tricked him. But, uh, yeah, perhaps you want to just quickly touch on the day. If anyone who listened last week will have, will have heard a little bit about it, but. Yeah. So since this, uh, this show is about, um, sort of living with blindness and the issues in Canada with blindness and disability, um, December 3rd. Since 1992, the um, United Nations has designated it uh, International Day of Persons with Disabilities, I, IDPD, which is uh, 2019. So it's every December 3rd around the world. Right. Yeah, it's international, so it's a world. And the theme of 2019 um, is promoting um participation of persons with disabilities and their leadership. So taking action on the 2030 development agenda, which is something the UN is doing. So the theme focuses on the empowerment of persons with disabilities for inclusive, equitable, which is a fun word. I always always mess up. And sustainable development um, envisage in the 2030 I don't know if you've heard about this at all. <laughs> Not really. There's so many different... Uh, exactly. A general, agenda for sustainable development. Um, yeah, I guess it pledges to leave no one behind and recognizes disability as a cross-cutting issue, one of the cross-cutting cutting issues to be considered in the implementation of its 17 sustainable developmental goals, which any um, United Nations... Experts, when I ever come on and discuss this further, we just don't feel like we have studied it thoroughly. But, but that's you said twenty thirty. Um, yeah. So that's their sustainable goals initiative for aiming for twenty thirty. I guess 
just so we, we could get into what all that means, but uh, basically missed the day this year. So I'm, yeah, just, so, I'm just going <clears throat> to sort of rounding back and touching on it because it is an important day. Obviously, we live with disability um, 365 days a year, but uh, at least the UN is recognizing this and it's it should be included in that. And they had some ceremonies that day at the UN headquarters in New York there. And so, so yeah, that's happening. Yeah, important that day that happening. happened last week. And just to make note of that for next year, um, we'll hopefully do another, another show about it. But there is, we did do a show last year specifically about that. Uh, well, there was a bunch of other stuff discussed last week as well for anyone who listened. But anyway, um, there was one other day uh, last week that you might want to discuss before we talk about other things. Which one was that again? <laughs> you have the email. It me. was All Women's Voices oh, programming here on, on the station. I had that in my head. I'm like, maybe I should do that one first. But then I went to that one, to the IDPD. Yeah, so I was listening Friday. Um, so Friday here at... Um, CHRW obviously was All Women's Voices 2019, and that's 24 hours of women um, created content, interviews, music, um, panel discussions, poetry. It's really great. Um, obviously, it, so it's focusing. T- this year was the 30th year anniversary of sad a sad day uh, in um, 1989. 89 um, for the call Polytechnique. It was the engineering school there in Montreal where a man broke in to, to the, the school there and um, separated men and women in an engineering class and I guess shot 14, 12 died, I think. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. Something like that. So, you know, they put they shine um, 14 beams of light um, to celebrate every year and have, have, you know, these celebrations all over, um, sort of focusing on feminism and the, the fact that it was a feminism issue um, you know, they were targeted because they were women in an engineering school, something considered a, a male-dominated profession. But anyway, um, yeah, last year I was actually interviewed by the program program manager, Pam. Yeah, former program director here. Former director. And uh, yeah, they have a lot of good content, so I was listening. Heard some pretty interesting um, music on the Friday night as I was actually working on my own some, some song lyrics that I was writing. But um, yeah, I just wanted to mention that too. Yeah, for sure. I, I tuned I tuned in a little bit throughout the day, but yeah, I, you would have had a radio um, show Friday, but um, but yeah, I did. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't do it. more more yeah, important programming plans. that day. Um, but uh, yeah, I guess I guess just for well for you obviously being a woman and then also having a disability. Um, yeah, I mean I think there's they talk about all sort all sorts of um, sort of um, minority so minorities with women so just you know women's issues in general and then you know so um abuse and um you know women's abuse but then also yeah like um disability is definitely a category that i like again like i said i was interviewed last year so but i I was listening and i i posted on facebook about it because i think it's great i think what's great what uh 94.9 chrw does here every year and i hope Hope it continues for a long time to come. So. Yeah, for sure. It's always uh, it's always really, really important and neat when they have a twenty four hour specialized days like that here on the station to recognize such important um, issues going on. So, um, yeah, just make note of that for next year. It's a yearly thing here on the station. So, yeah, another sad thing. Um, 
I thought we should bring up was that uh, yesterday there was an, uh, an announcement that uh, the voice of Big Bird and Oscar the Grouch uh, unfortunately passed away at his home. I think he was 85. Uh, his name was Carol Spin- Spinney. Yeah, so anyone who mm. anyone who has Facebook or is out there probably sl- sure probably read that, about it. Um, and it doesn't necessarily tie into our show of Outlook, but at the same time, we both grew up... Um, with Sesame Street, um, you being able to see a little bit better back in the day, um, Big Bird, for example, you'd mentioned was easy for you to spot. Yeah, it was it was good. You know, I mean, normally the background was darker um, on Sesame Street, and uh, so I could see he was just this bright, you know, a giant cost, you know, costume, a giant bird on the screen, yellow, you know, obviously the long yellow beak and uh, yeah he was easy to pick out you know sometimes you know Snuffleupagus or Oscar the Grouch would kind of blend into the background for me but I could always spot Big Bird and he was just always such a nice loving character I think he was a good teacher for children um, very sweet so I thought we should bring that up um, just because I, I was surprised how it affected me yesterday when I heard the news it was like a little a little piercing of the heart just because yeah you, he's a cultural icons right you grow up with them and yeah and for me I mean you had the same effect too and any, anyone who could see could still listen as well but for me always the the voices on Sesame Street in particular were always pretty unique and um, him playing the voice of Big Bird and Oscar two very different characters um, with different sounding voices it's just yeah it's, it's it was always pretty neat to listen to and uh, definitely a very creative person so um, yeah a sad loss and rest in peace he he was 85 so he's lived a very good good long life but unlike but, all the other characters like all the other Mupp, um jim henson muppets and stuff he's his voice has been there all along since 1969 yeah and that's what i was saying right, yesterday right i couldn't keep track of which voices had been replaced by other people um he was a one of a kind yeah he uh, so. he was still there up until last year i think so um yeah very Important topic we wanted to quick mention. Yeah, we might touch back on him again next week. We have some Christmas memories we can share. Um, but I also came across something um, just last night, actually, or was it yesterday there, that I thought we should talk about just because we're here at, uh, obviously, um, the University of Western Ontario, uh, Western, and uh, I know it's exam time for everybody. So, um, you know, this radio station is kind of a separate thing. You, Brian and I are both aren't actual students here, so we don't really hear about that. But I found this article that I thought sort of applies <laughs> And I think we should look into in, in the new year. Um, but it's a new audio dome, which I love that term. Uh, Western U- University is helping researchers bring everyday sound experiences into the lab, giving neuroscientists and audiologists a better glimpse at how the brain processes the, the noises of daily life. So I thought this applies because um, well, yeah, for us, obviously, sound is sound important. is the is a big thing. And um, like for example, today coming in. It was r- raining outside a little bit, and it makes things so much louder with the cars driving through all the, the wet water, so it makes things maybe sound closer sometimes than they actually are, or it can be a little bit disorienting sometimes because, yeah, things are just amplified and compared to what they usually are it, through audio. Um, and the same thing goes, which this they discuss with this dome and the, the studies that they're doing, um, has to do with being in loud environments and having being able to focus in on one person and have a conversation and and be able to listen. Yeah, at Christmas, obviously, there's a lot of parties going on, and depending on how big they get, um, that so- sort of constant rumble of voices around you 
uh, can make it hard to focus. And on a anyone. thing, and a thing that we face not being able to see is sometimes in a loud crowd, people can also like watch someone's facial expressions or mm-hmm. read their lips a little and bit. You can see when they get up and leave if they don't actually vocalize that they're going to leave. Yeah, you might not hear. Start keep talking in, to in environments who's, like who's that. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a it seems like a really interesting um, project that they put together. It's taken them three years, I think they said, to put together this this dome with. Um, 95 speakers, I think it said. Um, it would just be something really neat to, to check out. So we might, uh, we're going to do a little bit more research on this and um, contact, maybe contact some people who are in charge of this project. But it's a really neat article that you found. Um, and yeah, it could definitely relate to things that we go through. Yeah, I mean, obviously universities do a lot of these studies and... Uh, there's a lot to sort of sort through, but this one caught my attention specifically for this. So yeah, I think I'm going to try and reach out. Um, I don't know. Are we playing? Yeah, there is a little uh, clip here I can play. Um, she kind of explains. Yeah, if you want to talk for a second, I'll see. It might be playing an ad first. Oh. Um, so uh, in reality, people hear a patchwork of different sounds. So different volumes um, coming at them from all directions and... Uh, Western's new, uh, I love this, geodesic dome. Yeah, did you look up the meaning of that I exact word? I didn't get a chance to do it that. It is an interesting word. I was so focused on how funny it sounds. Geodesic right, this might dome. Be playing. So when you look at something, yeah. when you look at a visual scene, different objects in those scenes um, hit your eyeball at different places. And so that signal is separate right from the beginning. Uh, the ear works very differently. In an Think of an auditory scene. Imagine you're walking down the street with somebody you're conversing with and there's a dog barking and there's traffic noise and maybe there's a kid laughing. All of these sounds are happening in different locations at different, you know, in different places. But they're all mixing together at your eardrum, creating a very complex pattern of vibration. And it's up to your brain to separate the bits that are the laughing child from the bits that are the dog barking from the sound bits that are the car. So this is a this is really a, a cognitive brain-based problem, the separating of um, bits of sound into sound objects like laughing children and barking dogs. Researchers call this the cocktail party problem. Because yeah, so that's the cocktail party problem is kind of like what I was talking about, right? Where it's a large crowd and there's so many sounds going on and yeah. So what they do in the dome is they go out and record sounds in real life. Um, so an Austrian traffic circle, uh, the rainforest, and a busy train station. So then they play those sounds with these re- with these study participants in the dome. Um, state of the art equipment to do the study, like they said, the cocktail party effect, which it does apply to this time of year, I think. Um, but the brain's ability to filter out background noise, I just think. I think really, if um, the study is still looking for participants, we probably missed our chance. But I think that you know, outlooks here for them. I think we w- we could add something to the study. It would be sounds like it would be a cool episode for Outlook. Yeah, or even we I'm gonna, even just talking to the researchers. Well, yeah, I'd consider looking into maybe having one of the researchers on our show sometime just to discuss mm-hmm. what they've what they've discovered so far with this these studies and uh, how it's going for them. Um, so yeah, great work, Gary, on finding this this article and uh, bringing it to her, to my attention. Oh, what was that? Oh, cognitive uh, brain-based problems. That's what it is when you have all those sounds and you can't decipher. I just, 
Sometimes it feels like I have one of those, right? Cognitive brain, brain, brain-based <laughs> problem. Can't even say. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 what I have. That's why I'm so weird. <laughs> that's why you're both so weird. Cognitive brain-based. Don't forget that R in there. Yeah, so we'll look into that in the new year because we're trying to come up with some new, interesting, fresh ideas for Outlook in 2020. Yeah, for for the new year because um, we're we're planning to do an episode next week for Christmas themed around Christmas and then I think we're going to take um, at least one show off over the holidays. Yeah, I got a, a friend Maybe coming two. back we'll, from we'll Ireland see. who's going to be around on the 23rd so I'm Yeah, we'll we'll probably be taking that day off. Hang out with her and her daughter. And, yeah. Um, but anyhow, um, yeah, so you can look up this article. It's definitely worth Yeah, and if um, anybody's listening who knows anything about this study, you could email us at outlookonradiowestern at gmail.com uh, for contact us. Yeah, it's Outlook on Radio Western at gmail.com. So yeah, the article is Western Studying How Brain Deciphers Sounds into Sense, and it's by Jennifer Byman, B-I-E-M-A-N. So yeah, you can Google that up if you want to read. I assume that was the woman on the recording. If you want to read a bit more about it, but uh, yeah, and that was posted on December the 3rd, so very recent. Mm -hmm. Um, So should we get into the... (laughs) Yeah, so we're down to about our last 10, 10 minutes or so. Do you want to play this clip, or do you want me to talk me and talk you into it a little bit? Um, you can start talking. I'll, I'll yeah. cue up a clip here. But so recently, I I saw a press release uh, announcing that Ben Mulroney was the new spokesperson for the CNIB, which um, most people have probably heard of the CNIB in Canada. Here, um, we have brought this up before, just in the sense that we have some issues with the way the CNIB represents as they say, all of, you know, Canadians, all blind Canadians. Um, so this one in particular kind of got to me and I... Yeah, so I don't know, um, I don't know how many people listening know uh, Ben Mulrooney. Mulrooney is the famous name. So you, I'll play a little clip. Um, just to refresh just, you. Just for anyone listening to get an idea of what he sounds like. It's E-Talk at the Oscars with Ben Mulrooney. So let's get right to it. If you really want more, let's get right to it. <laughs> Some direct, uh, this is Usher right now. Does he talk again? Uh, one more time. <laughs> After this music goes, Here you go. Thursday, February 5th, we are Canada's number one entertainment show. E-Talk begins right now. Oh. Whoa. Very exciting. <laughs> See, uh, so I used to watch E-Talk, um, one of the multiple entertainment type shows on TV in Canada. Canada version of some of the ones in the States. Yeah, I don't have, I don't have TV at home and I'm not, I, I don't, I don't mind it when it's on, but I don't. I'm not as uh, into it as Carrie, so I didn't really know who Ben Mulrooney was. I knew, obviously, Brian Mulrooney being our, our prime minister um, a number of years ago, but um, I didn't really know. So I recognized the last name, but I didn't know who it was. Um, yeah, so I don't know. He's been on TV, and he was you know, was a child actor and stuff, so he's been in, around the business for a long time. Um, I saw this, and I just sort of thought, like, what the... Yeah, and it's 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 the discussion that's come up on our show a lot before, where the CNIB, um, Canadian Nas- National Institute for the Blind, a lot of the people who are working there, um, including the CEO and just a great majority of people, are aren't actually blind. Um, so the the question that r- rose to my attention when hearing about this is, why ha- him? Yeah, what does he does he have any connection to blindness? Does he know? You know, does he have any family members that are blind? Has he? He's not blind himself, obviously, which would even be would make sense to me to hire someone who is blind as their spokesperson. Um, I guess based on the fact, oh yeah, this 
he's kind of famous in Canada or has some recognition, has been on TV, this would be a good way to spread the word about this our organization after being, you know, they celebrated their 100th year last year. Yeah, because it was just the anniversary also of um, the explosion in Halifax um, back in, it, it, so that kill, or killed a lot of people, but it, it blinded a lot of people and the CNIB was started um, right there at the end of World War One and stuff. So, um, yeah, I mean, I just, if people, for people who don't really understand what our issue is here, like Brian, you worded it well last night when you said, it's like if you all of a sudden were asked to be a representative for some organization for the deaf or, you know, for a different race. Like, yeah, it just makes no race. sense. Yeah. I if mean, there was a white person representing black people in some organization. He has media like, recognition in, in Canada. And that's the only thing I can see that they think it's going to make them money, draw in you know, attention and, and, and donation and it just it, drag, you know, pull them out yeah. at certain events, I guess. It just goes back again to, obviously these these charity organizations, they're non-for-profit, but they still need money to run. And we deal with the same thing with, with the Canadian Federation of the Blind, which is oh, the yeah. organization that we're involved in. You do need money to, to, to run, but it just kind of seems like what's, you know, it feels like it is a bit of a money grab to get more attention to, um, to have this media person involved. When really it should be someone who actually lives these challenges on a daily basis, is really connected to it, and has um, some firsthand experience. So yeah, I'm not really sure what, like totally what their motives are with this, um, but I I have a feeling it's just to bring more attention um, to them. But I don't know. It's 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 a tough issue, but it just it doesn't really add up to me. It doesn't really make sense. <laughs> doesn't add up. Yeah, I mean. So I don't know if you have the press release there, Brian. I I do have it open here. I just, do you want to um, read his part? Can you find his quote? Yeah. Because I wondered if there's been any talk, um, if there's been anybody who has, you know, asked him. We tried to find a video of him speaking about this position and why he took it and what he thinks, how he feels about taking this kind of position. And uh, there's nothing I could find other than their press well, release. Well, I guess his qualifications to be in this position are that he's been working in television and radio for over 19 years. From the chat room to Canadian Idol, I don't know how that has any effect on, or that would qualify as experience to be a spokesperson for blind people. Other but, than that, they need someone with some recognition, right? And they and don't think that, that there's any blind people, or you know, visually impaired people, or people any anywhere related in Canada that with quite that big of a, a you know well-known face and name. Because it talks about here how he's he's interviewed the biggest and brightest stars of film, fashion, music, and television, but that, again, has nothing to do with with That has to do with, with with the way the world's working these days, I guess, that they're, they're finding media, people in media, because they need that, they need something from them, and they're not, they don't think they'll get it from anyone else that has anything to do with blindness in Canada, which um, is sad to me, but it's, yeah, so, I guess that's their argument. But I guess at the, at the same rate, yeah, maybe it wouldn't be as someone as um, famous but how about maybe finding someone to be the spokesperson who is blind maybe isn't as well known but has like a really good like yeah you still want someone who's outgoing who yeah. ha- could could be the face of your organization but maybe try and and puts put out the word that you're looking for that and maybe get people to apply or or you know consider hiring someone who's blind it's like with the with the Canadian Federation of the Blind our our philosophy and our our sort of um, overall goal is that Sighted people can be members, but they can't be full members, in, as in members that are on the the main board that make Making make decisions the decisions and, and stuff for blind people. Because 
it just doesn't make sense for me, to me to have someone cited making these decisions for blind people. Um, but I did find Ben Mulroney's, Mulroney's quote here. And he says, the CNIB Foundation is a 100-year-old charity, and like so many other Canadians, I've been aware of the good work they do all my life. So one question I would ask him is, give me some examples. What work? What good work are you talking about? I'd be curious to see what if he actually knows or if he's just saying this. It's part of Canadian history, says Ben Mulrooney. I'm so proud to be able to represent this organization and help give people who are living with sight loss the support they need to live full, active lives. So, so again, that, a like, lot of that is language from the CNIB already. That's what I mean. Like full, it, active participation. It, it all sounds like nice and good, like on the surface. That sounds great. And it, for anyone who doesn't know enough about the history and the details, like most people would read this and think it's a good thing. And and I don't know. Maybe we'll we'll see what happens. But I just I. I don't want to, you know, make too many decisions right out of the gate here when it's just been announced, but I just don't have a good feeling about it, and I know you don't either, so. I, I, I'm i thinking about reaching out to him on Twitter or something, because uh, I'm not, you know, I'm not kidding myself that this this episode will get to him. Um, but, like, yeah, to be for me to be able to set up some sort of interview, I don't know if he, the CNW would let him do that, though. Right now, now he's he's their spokesperson so he represents them all of a sudden now and so they're going to want him to they probably have some sort of contract that he can't you know maybe say certain things so I'm not sure he would just up and do an interview with me um, if I say I'm from out the show Outlook and I'm a blind Canadian who just has some questions for him like, well, like it's, he said it's worth a try and again we're not we're not sitting here like attacking him he was offered this position and yeah maybe he should have questioned it too maybe think like oh you know what do I have to Well, that's contribute? kind of the general the general ignorance, I guess I want to say, about blindness in Canada, that, that's, that someone like him, who has obviously a lot of experience, uh, you know, in the limelight and things and the camera um, on Canadian television, but that, that he would think that it's, yeah, did he question this? Did, has anybody else questioned him on this? How many blind Canadians out there even know about this? Because I've seen a few people speak up on it, but other than me, not so many, so. But it just seems odd, this organization that's talking about expectations and and you know getting blind people out in the world and to be accepted and all this changing that, what it means to be that blind that they would have someone cited to to be the spokesperson the one that they're giving this opportunity to it seems like they should be giving this opportunity to someone yeah, else who has the potential but isn't given the potential because society sort of brings them down a little bit because of their disability so well it's like we talk a lot all the time about is there enough blindness you know people with disabilities in general in um you know, on on screen and in Canada specifically, but also in the U.S. is is an issue. Actors applying for different shows about blindness and representing blindness accurately on television, and so yeah, you'd think that there'd, there'd be someone they could have found, and maybe they would worry about making a little less money with that. But you know what? It would it just looks better if you're. They already have again. It's it's a, it's like any big organization. They're a charity, so that makes it a little different. But at the same time, they are still a business that makes millions of dollars and. Do they really need more money? Because what we've noticed with the, the Canadian Federation of the Blind is we do need money, but a lot of times you don't really need that much money for this stuff. It's more about getting out there, and a lot of this stuff should be volunteer because once too much money starts getting involved with anything, then it can get a little bit twisted. You're, you're and, moving away from the message here, guys. Yeah, it becomes just a big multi-million organization. So, so you never know. 2020, I may be able to get a hold of... Um, Prime Minister's ex-Prime Minister's son and have a bit of a discussion, but I'm I'm bet I'm betting the CNIB won't like that. 
Yeah, once you get hired by something something like that, it's it's tough because you are representing, so, yeah, so they might have more control. But anyway, we'll see. Try not to get too outraged about these things, but this is where we come. to You talk also about have them. to sh- you have to be sharing your opinion, and you can't be too passive about things like Canadians often are, <laughs> um, or else things won't get done. So, mm-hmm. all right. Well, thanks for listening today. Yeah, quite a few topics to squeeze into a half hour, but uh, I think that went pretty well. And we'll be back for our Christmas 2019 episode. And perhaps our last episode of the year. Mm-hmm. See you next next week then. All right. Uh, we'll see you then. Have, have a, a good, good one. Have, have a good week. Find us on Twitter at OutlookCFB and on Facebook, facebook.com slash Outlook on Radio Western.